everyone, this is Baruch Lurie, and this is the Baruch Lurie Podcast. With me, as always, is my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. We, um, we have some interesting news of late, and I always like to talk about the news because it's, it's often a jumping board for other issues. Um, there is this, you know, we're, we're sitting here today, June of 2014, and one of the issues that has always been on the radar for the Obama administration is the Guantanamo Bay prisoners, right? All these terrorists that are being holed up there and such. And uh, he's been itching to get rid of uh, Guantanamo Bay for a long time, right? Gitmo, sometimes they call it. Now, recently, there was a very controversial exchange of prisoners, right? There was this, this guy... Um, Bo Bergdahl. Berg, Bergdahl, right? Yeah. Bergdahl. We'll just call him Bergdahl. Bergdahl, apparently, some three or so years ago, walked out of his unit and... Uh, whether he was planning to desert or nothing uh, or, or anything else, we don't know exactly, but probably it looks like that's the case. Certainly his fellow soldiers uh, from his platoon felt that way. Uh, of course, they're not the court of, uh, they're not a court there, let alone a military court. But something's very odd about it. It's also very odd the fact that Bergdahl was not killed, right? I mean, generally speaking, what do they do with, Americans that they happen to capture, especially soldiers. Well, they don't take them prisoner. That's right. That's... And they certainly don't feed them. And they certainly don't uh, uh, encourage them to learn the, the Quran and everything else. Give them their own prayer rug. Right. Yeah. Bergdahl uh, survived for three years. In fact... Five. Oh, it was five years. Okay. So, so all of a sudden, he's back. Um, why? Because there was an exchange of prisoners from Gitmo to get Bergdahl, and apparently there were some high-level discussions. All right, there are numerous issues involved here. First of all, um, the fact that this was all done behind Congress's back, that there was very little involvement of Congress in that. Okay, I, I won't get into that too much because that, that, that I, frankly, I'm not surprised anymore. I mean, after all, uh, Obama did say that he had his phone and his pen, so he's clearly doing things behind Congress's back, and he thinks that he knows better. So, and they give up five high-level terrorists. Anybody in Gitmo is a high-level terrorist. Uh, so they give up five of these, these bastards for this one guy who apparently, in my mind, is a deserter. Something's, something's off with this guy. And I'm wondering. People think, you know, the, the, the issue has been one for five, is that an appropriate thing? Should we be negotiating with terrorists and all that stuff? And doesn't this send a bad, bad signal to the bad guys? And I agree, it does send a very bad signal. But I, I wonder if this was really the discussion. I think Obama was looking to get, to release the prisoners in the first place. And that he needed a pretext in order to release the prisoners. I see you nodding your head. I, I think that's the way it is. I, I think he's, he so hates the idea of Gitmo, and he so knows that he wants to close down Gitmo. And what better way than simply to release all the prisoners uh, in batches or groups? It's like he caught a bunch of fish. We're just going to throw them back into the lake. There you go. No yeah, big but, deal. But it took a lot of effort on our soldiers to catch those fish. Ah, so what? Throw them right. back in the lake. Exactly. Uh, and, and so, you know, he couldn't just release them willy-nilly, right? He had to have a pretext. So... 
here's this deserter that we want back. So, so we're doing this for him. And uh, what a great sacrifice this was to, to get him back. Um, anyway, that's, that's my take on it. I, I, I think that, uh, I mean, it's a little bit cynical, but there's no other explanation for me because this guy, Bergdahl, uh, is such an odd duck. First of all, it, it turns out that he certainly hates America. He, we, we found out evidence now that he wrote to his parents how much he despises America. I don't think he uses those words exactly, but uh, basically he had a lot of contempt for America. How shameful it is, I think was the word he used. And uh, this, is, uh, this is the guy that we're fighting so hard to get back. If, you, if it's so shameful, why don't you just stay there in Afghanistan with your buddies? And then, of course, he learned uh, not only um, uh, Arabic or whatever the language is in Afghanistan. Ashton. He learned either the local language or he learned high Arabic. I know that. But he certainly learned a lot about the Quran and enough to say all these Muslim prayers. And then he goes on the, in the Rose Garden, I think it was. Well, that was his father. I, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. At, and his father is now saying uh, these, uh, well, we now know that the father had sent tweets way before this release. And he said something to the effect of, we will be, we will stop at nothing until all the Guantanamo prisoners are released. Something like that. So what does this all mean? The father, in turn, during the Rose, Ball, uh, Rose, uh, Rose Garden ceremony, he says, uh, Alu Akbar, or something like this, some, some great Muslim phrase. And, and Obama then hugs him. I, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. Uh, do you? I, I, I just, the notion that well, he can, that way. he would You don't let, want to get me started because I have four hours of this. All right, so let's not get him started. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say it in, in uh, tempered terms. Okay, so let, let me get this straight. You're, if, if you didn't know that he was going to say that, you know, I think it's sloppy, I think it's negligent, uh, but um, I, feel, I would feel better. It's just another example of how Obama just doesn't vet the situation before he takes action. But again, you, you, don't, you can't really blame Obama. Like maybe he's like internally he's like surprised and, like, and he was saying, oh, F. You he know, didn't this, look surprised. Let's say, let's, but he's got a good game face. Let's just say, okay, he didn't look surprised because uh, he's saying this all of a sudden and then he gives him a hug. It, it looks very awkward. The whole thing looks extremely awkward. Now, if he, if he wasn't surprised and this was all part of the, the game plan, so to speak, that this guy is going to say, Alu Akbar. Uh, was that what he said? Alu Akbar? He said, Salam or whatever. The, the, he said the phrase, Raham Rahim, something like that. But those words are important because they're the pre, they're the preamble text for every chapter of the Koran. Yes, you All know right. it's it's the something of God is the great benevolent one something or something. But anyway, it's it's like the most famous part of the Koran because it heads every chapter. It's as if there was a preamble in it. front of every book of Moses. No, in I, the I Bible. understand. I understand it's a very important phrase, but that's uh, my point is that he lets this happen and it's also a reflection of, it's a very revealing of the kind of man, at least the father. Uh, and, and we also know that the son is, is virtually identical in this department. And, and I almost wouldn't care so much 
for example, we have some Muslim soldiers, right, fighting for the American military. Uh, they're, they're not bad guys. Um, but if somebody hates America, whether he's Muslim or Christian, I, I hate that guy. So Muslim, Christian, or Jew that hates America, I'm against you. And so why are we fighting so hard for this guy? Why did we fight so hard for this guy? Yeah, an example is uh, like Zudi Jasser. I'm sure you've heard of him. Uh, he was a former uh, Navy uh, officer. I can't imagine Zudi Jasser, who is a you know devout practicing Muslim, to be in a, in a potential press conference with the President of the United States and say that in Arabic <laughs> for a press conference for this particular subject matter, when the particular enemy of uh, this situation are devout jihadists. See, but why do I bring this all up? Because I told you in the beginning of this, I'm going to kind of bring this into a a bigger fold. Um, It's it's not just this microcosm of an issue of bringing back this this jerk and that we lost um, control of five very bad guys and a lot of men apparently tried died trying to get this deserter back from Afghanistan but the, the larger picture is this is that I don't think the Obama administration has yet again ever asks the question um, what are the consequences of all this what does this all mean how is this going to play out remember the other week we were talking about how uh, the, the question is you should always be asking yourself you know, what's this going to look like if I continue on this road, right? I mean, can, can, you, can you defend this action? If, you and know, five-year waiting lists on the VA. Right, yeah, the, or the you. city of Bell we use as another example. Yeah, or Obamacare completely failing right. on the website. We're talking on the national level, on the individual level. Like yeah. if you're an individual and you go to foreign countries which allow child sex, uh, is, is it somehow okay because there's no law against child sex in those particular countries? Of course, it's still wrong, but but can you do you fool yourself into thinking that there's no nothing wrong with it, because the government not only doesn't have a law against it, but it has an industry that allows you to 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 go to certain areas of the town and and pay and and everything's legitimate and there's a lot of police officers for for that matter who also engage in the same activity. Um, is that somehow okay? Of course not. And do people ever? I mean, you have to be able to ask yourself, how is this going to play out? How does this look? Um, but then it begs the question, how does it look to whom? Right? And if you're constantly telling yourself, well, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm obeying the laws of everything. I'm looking at as, as the way it would be allowed in my particular country versus this country. Um, or as long as I can get away with it, then there's really not a problem. One, one great way of always, uh, re, you know, giving yourselves a, a sense of, of um, comfort is by saying, well, everyone else is doing it, right? I mean, if everyone else is engaging in unraged sex, um, then it's okay if you do it somehow. If everyone else is um, stealing from the boss, then maybe it's okay if you do too, because after all, he has to be complaining about it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, and, and I think there's this mentality in the Obama administration where they, they figure, well, nobody's talked to me about it so far for five years. That's, I'm talking now about the VA. Um, 
so it's probably okay. And by golly, I, I got so many other things to, to concern myself about. I, I am the president, you know, and uh, I can't handle everything. And if it's not the VA, it'll be something else, some other disastrous situation going on. And I just can't have my, my, my hands in everything. But he knows about it. And it's not that hard to simply say, look, we've got a lot of issues. I don't like the way the VA is being handled. I don't like the way the IRS is targeting people. Um, this Benghazi business really frightens me. And it's, uh, it's all a reflection of, of lack of, of accountability. This Fast and Furious program, it's so odd to me. We need to just stop that. Nip it in the bud. At what point, though, does someone like you have to reach where you say, okay, now it's on the opposite end. It's deliberate. Maybe the argument for it, the context is, I can't believe he did something this deliberate after all those other deliberate things have then been revealed. Example, lying about Benghazi, you say it was some filmmaker throwing him in jail, essentially for insulting Islam, blaming this video on the deaths of the Americans or whatever else must have happened there, similar, yeah. similar to this. Doing this prisoner exchange, you're not you're not getting a a purple heart recipient for five potential hapless suicide bombers who are going to go back to potentially Syria and in a Bill Ayers weather underground kind of bomb making lab at some apartment blow themselves up. Right. These are commanders. Well, this guy very well, and not only that, but this guy, this deserter, may very well go back to Afghanistan and become a hero. Maybe have a couple of uh, boulevards named after him. Yeah, massive propaganda coup. And then the other thing is, and I think the bigger picture with, with Afghanistan as a, as a country and a regional issue is, what this does is this signals to the body politic within Afghanistan that supports Taliban rule. It's an affirmation of their governmental system. This is basically saying to that nation state, we in America no longer oppose Taliban rule of the country and all that entails. You know, the acid in the yes. faces of girls, uh, yeah. the throwing out of soccer balls, et cetera, et cetera. You yeah. know. Well, let me, let because me, I, I don't want to drill down too much more on Afghanistan and this deserter because he's, he's a punk. Uh, I, I just despise this guy. But I'm just fascinated with how the Obama administration could – and maybe I'll get to, the, to your conclusion, but how the Obama administration could so consistently fail to see the, uh, how things will play out. Because I can't imagine that they're that stupid. Now, look, if I, if I was on the liberal side of the equation, I would say, uh, Ari, Barack, you guys are all being silly here. You don't realize that you're being played. This is just the conservative media bringing up uh, issue after issue just to kind of trump you up and to, to, to get you all hot to trot about these various issues. And in reality, uh, it, it's just not as much of a scandal as you think it is. You know, obviously, I, I, I digress to that. I, you know, I, de I demur to that uh, argument. I think it's an absurd argument. But because uh, they have to take the, the scandals as they come um, and whoever, you know, bring them up. I mean, it's not as if the conservatives you know, are, are trotting this out. It's just, you know, some of them do come out by conservative groups, but nevertheless, it doesn't make them any less true. The IRS scandal is a great example of that. It's not like we had to dig for these things. We didn't, exactly. We didn't have to dig for it. I mean, Obama is, is, is creating them himself. So look, he's got to, he's got to deal with his own record 
and his record is not so good. And uh, at the same time, you have to, you know, you're the president. If you've got scandal after scandal after scandal, you can only point to the to the opposing party and say they're trotting this all out. You know, Clinton, you know, he had his share of scandals, certainly, but he was really good at managing them. Likewise, uh, with uh, Kennedy to some extent, and uh, you know, even Carter. Every president. Every president has their has uh, has to deal with scandals that come up. Or, and a giant bunny rabbit that attacks him. That's right. Which actually happened to Carter. Right? Yes, I don't know and, if you I, remember. Uh, and then the Rose Garden speech and everything yeah. else, and malaise. And uh, but but this is this administration is a very different one. It seems as if you know it's almost impossible to believe. And and you'll see where I'm going with this. It's almost impossible to to believe an administration can be this inept, can fail to see the consequences or the playbook or how this might all play out every single time, right? I mean, so Fast and Furious was not as big a one, but but it was certainly one where you would say, how can we possibly parlay this to the to the American people? Uh, likewise with the IRS scandal, how can we parlay this to the American people? How, how can we think for a moment that, we, that we're, we can use the IRS as a weapon against conservative bad guys and that they might not wake up? And say this ain't right. Uh, how could we possibly think that we can let this VA situation go as crazily as it has, and and not expect some people to say this ain't right? How can we possibly convince people that this was a video that started uh, the Benghazi disaster when uh, we know it was otherwise? How can we possibly do this? How, how can we possibly think that won't come to light? The truth won't come to light in all these situations. And yet they've done it every single time. And the only conclusion that you can make out of this is that there is, it's one of two things, I, I suppose, one of two conclusions. Either A, Obama simply doesn't care. He just doesn't give a rat's you know what. Or B, he's doing this deliberately. That's the only, the only two conclusions, right? Because he, you know, they, they all think that he's the smartest man in the room. So it's clearly not just bumbling, right? I mean, if he's so smart, then he would know how these things play out. He would know the consequences of his actions. He would know not to hide these things. He would know how it looks symbolically to the jihadist enemies around the world of America to have a guy reciting phrases of the Quran in perfect Arabic standing on the White House grounds during a live press conference. This is a humiliation. He, yeah. It's a humiliation. It's, it's, so, it's a conquering. That's right. what it is from their point of view. Right. They, they, they're, they're celebrating everywhere in the, in the Muslim world. But, but to not see that would mean that he would he wouldn't be intelligent. And, and, you know, the left clearly thinks he's the most intelligent man in the room. So let's give them that. Let's say that he's the most intelligent man in the room. So either it's one of two things, right? I mean, I would say it's one of three things. Either that he's stupid, A, that he's stupid, that he's B, doesn't care, or C, is doing this deliberately, right? But because he's the most intelligent man in the room, we can't use the stupid thing. So there's only two alternatives, that he just doesn't care or that he's doing it deliberately. Negligence or malice? That's right. Well, no, negligence, 
Well, ne- negligent he, does not care. That's true. Right? He, that's he's, what I mean. He just doesn't care. When I, using it in the term, legal terms, right, if right. you were negligent about caring for your children or your property or right, your but, but possessions. You, that's right. But you're, you can be – there's also something called recklessness, right? Yeah. Sometimes you – look, for example, uh, you can drive a car negligently. Or you can drive a car recklessly. Okay. Yes. I'll give you examples. You can drive your car negligently. Uh, you, for example, um, see a really cute girl, and your eye, your eyes uh, kind of uh, veer toward her, and all of a sudden you don't see in front of you that the car is stopped for the red light. Whammo, you know, rear end situation. You're negligent. You're gonna have to pay for that repair of that the car in front of you, for and for yourself. By contrast, um, you decide uh, you're gonna drive drunk. And uh, you just drive at crazy speed because you want to feel really high as a kite for whatever reason. And you're going down 80 miles an hour down a very rural road, let's say PCH. And uh, you don't intend to kill anybody, but uh, you go and, and you kill somebody. Or for that matter, you, you, you hurt some cars. Um, that's recklessness, right? But, but you'll impute intent to that situation, won't you? And in fact, we have... A standard in law, which is that it's so reckless that if it's so reckless that it could rise to the level of malice because you've abandoned all sense of care. And that's what I'm talking about. Because I don't think this is, because there's negligence, which would be more into the stupid category. And then there's recklessness. And now I think we're getting to reckless territory in this administration. It's, it's getting to the point where his fecklessness about about the um, about Guantanamo and, and prisoner exchange, and how the outside world views him is is rising to the le- level of recklessness, recklessness becoming recklessness. And I don't know if I'm ready to go to say that this was all planned out and this is all part of a grand design, and that he's doing it on purpose. Now hold on a second. I will continue. <laughs> but um, but it's you know it may not matter. Anymore. I mean, just like I told you, the, 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 the drunk driver, whether he intends to kill the guy that he kills or he's so reckless that he, and he still kills the guy, the punishment will be virtually the same. I think there's also another dimension to this, though, which is um, uh, I've never seen a president so uh, have no fear of impeachment based on his actions. It's almost like Obama was so cynical about two things, his racial composition of his skin and having Joe Biden as his vice president, who no one, not the most anti-American person in the world, would ever want to have to be the president of America, so that he almost dares people to impeach him because he knows politically it just won't happen. Clinton, for all of his faults, at least you could tell it was like the briar patch. He really didn't want to be thrown in it. I know that's the opposite of the Brer Rabbit right. story, but yeah. he was actually he, – Clinton did not want to be impeached. Well, it's interesting you brought up Clinton um, and and because it makes me think of all the other presidents before in the, let's say the past 50 years, starting with uh, Kennedy, let's say. Um, you know, Obama is a very unique president. We, we forget. I mean he's been around now for – this is his sixth year of the presidency, and um, we've kind of gotten used to him. And he's really very different than every, of the, every one of the presidents that preceded him, uh, and including Jimmy Carter, including Bill Clinton, uh, his fellow Democrats. 
Yeah, and including uh, and, uh, uh, Wilson, FDR, and Johnson, too, who I are mean, as left-wing as he is. Agreed, but I'm, I'm going the past 50 years, uh, even plus 50 years, because we're talking about JFK. And I'm, I'm, really, um, I'm really kind of stunned how different he is. And I don't think any of the presidents would do virtually any of the things that we're seeing now or just uh, exhibit the recklessness through fecklessness of the VA situation or otherwise. It's, it's really remarkable. And I think that's what really distinguishes this administration from the previous administrations. I, I don't know of any administration, let alone 50 years ago, that acted in the way that the Obama administration is acting. And here's the weird thing about it, is that we've got three, a little less than three years left with this this president. I was, I was going to say with this guy, but I'm trying to not be disrespectful. But I, I, on the other hand, I have no respect for him. You know, so how can you be disrespectful when you have no respect for somebody? Well, glad you got that out of the yeah, way. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't respect him because uh, he – and the reason why I don't respect him – and by the way, that's different than not voting for him. I didn't vote for him in 08 or 12, of course. Uh, the reason why is I didn't, I didn't like his agenda. Right. I mean, I, there's no way I was going to vote for his agenda. And um, I preferred the uh, conservative agenda, of course. But I respected him as a human being. I, I, you know, I thought, OK, well, let's let's see how he acts and now as a president. But now we've had, like I said, almost we're, we're within our sixth year with him. And he has acted so fecklessly that I can literally say at this point, I, I have no respect for this man. I think because I, I think he has no respect for this office, and I and I wonder about the level of his respect for this country. Or I think it's safe to add his respect for anyone. Is it, did you notice? And, 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 and I would say that, by the way, even when I was a Democrat, I, I, I would say exactly the same thing, and I would say um, we've got to get a different Democrat on board. I I, I would say. Um, I can't wait till 2016 and let's see Hillary Clinton, you know, a responsible Democrat coming in and, and treating the presidency with the respect it deserves. That's what I would be saying. And I, and, and I really mean it. Um, I, of course, want a conservative, but I, I'm telling even my Democrat friends, I ask them, I challenge them. I say, is, is Obama the best leader that you can choose among all your Democrat politicians? Um, favorites out there who if you had a dream president putting aside the skin color and everything else that we just talked about putting all that aside and what he means you know for American culture and the fact that he's the first black president putting that all aside would he be your dream president if you could choose among all the uh, the whole roster. The whole roster of Democratic uh, hopefuls out there, not just the ones who ran for president, but just you get to choose. It's your dream team, so to speak. Like we have fantasy football, right, fantasy baseball, and all that stuff. You get to choose a fantasy uh, presidential administration from top to bottom, from the president down to secretary of state to the head of uh, Homeland Security or whatever. You get to choose them. Go. Right? And would you really put... President Obama on top of that ticket? Yeah, especially would you put him on top of that ticket now that you've seen him in action 
yeah. with the job for right. six years. Not, not his promise, not the ephemeral right. stuff. Right, right. Yeah, and in 08, I can see you saying it because, you know, yes, he's a great speech. Great speech. You look he, great on TV, all that stuff. He seems articulate, uh, and, and you can believe all the, all the stuff about him, the rumors about him being so bright, the smartest man in the room and such like that. Okay, fine. But, but now, with six years under our belts, our collective belts, is this the man you think was the best choice? Yeah. A man so bright that when he edited the Harvard Law Review, he wrote nothing. He yeah. was that bright. That's right. That's because they, they just knew. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I, I think there's an interesting question to pose to you with this, which is the, the cultural and generational aspect. I perceive a lack of adultness that I also perceived with the Clintons, but it was still a bit of restraint relative to this guy. And there's just something so immature about him. And when you look at the spokespeople, especially at the State Department, like Marie Harf and Jen Psaki, or two young girl, uh, yeah, I said girl, not woman, but girl kind of spokespeople from the campaign who now are in high spokesman positions within the State Department, or the Tommy Vitor situation where he sends this guy, Tommy Vitor, whose background is he drove a van for the campaign in the 2008 campaign, and then they send him on with Brett Baer, the number one, the, essentially the Walter Cronkite of our generation right now, the top anchor on Fox News, of a news show, not an opinion show, to answer news questions about Benghazi. And that was the famous incident that was the, dude, this was two years ago. Right. And there's there's just a a flippant attitude and an immaturity that I think is what you're talking about when you see a differentiation, a distinction between all these other Democrat previous administrations. Right, because exactly right. That is what I'm saying. Uh, There is a level of immaturity. And, and that's a good word of putting it because immaturity, part of one of the many elements of immaturity, uh, in, in addition to delayed gratification and such, right, is not understanding the consequences of your actions. I mean, most parents will talk about their 15-year-old son or daughter, and, and especially their sons, who do these crazy things and, and they just think like, what were they thinking? Yeah, where was the impulse control? Yeah. Oh, there wasn't any. Right, do you, do you really think that you can just go out there and, 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 and drive when you're really exhausted at 2 o'clock in the morning and um, it's going to be okay? I mean, what, what, what are you thinking about this? I mean, and that you're going to go up, up to Northern California and, and fight that bad guy that you think is out there. What, that's craziness, um, especially if you go into a bad area of town and so on. The what were you thinking element is what we're, what we're seeing in this Obama administration. It's no longer a question of um, Obama trying to protect his interests, uh, Obama trying to protect the Democratic uh, uh, position or the value set of the Democrats. It's, it's really, it goes much more simply than that. It's simply, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. That's really what's, what, what we're seeing here. I, I, Obama, do not know what I'm doing. I don't know what the consequences are of my actions, to the point that even his fellow Democrats are scratching their, their heads. I mean, I, I think offline you told me about MSNBC, uh, how your wonderful wife was, was watching MSNBC Not recently. watching. She was in a room in a public facility oh, that's, that's right. it was on, like yeah, a yeah. bar or something. And right. she looks up and, and there it happened. is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She does not watch MSNBC and I'm sorry to have insulted uh, unless her. Unless she's trying to watch some comedy or something. But she said 
she uh, that that basically fellow Democrats on a news segment of MSNBC to the extent you can even call it news uh, was talking about how Obama's not noticing the consequences of of this this uh, p- prisoner swap situation. Yeah, the potential for future terrorist attacks, the future... This was on MSNBC, my wife told me. They were talking about the future of terrorist attacks, the future hostage-taking that could happen because of it, as well as the potential problems with the Afghan nation-state sliding back into Taliban control, all of which you would never expect liberal media to be bringing up about Obama. Right. Well, and this is his war now, as it were, and and this is the war that he claimed was the good war and so on. But, but, But this is... Here's another example of the fecklessness, right? We know by now that telling the bad guys in Iraq that we are leaving uh, by, I believe it was 2013, right? Uh, that we were, or was it 2011? Yes, 2011. Uh, yeah. We were leaving that time, and it gave a specific deadline. Yeah, August 2014, I believe it was. Right. Not August 2014 for Iraq. We're, we're talking no, about... No, uh, Iraq was 2011. 2011. Yeah. So we're leaving, and, and everyone's telling him, why would you tell everyone, why would you broadcast to the world this is exactly when we're leaving? Aren't you just telling them to sit it out and wait until the Americans leave? And then shoot. And, yeah, and then go into <laughs> yeah. your mayhem that, and do your terrorist business. And in Iraq now, is it's a mess. It's, it's, it's a mess. And, you know, yes, it's much better without Saddam Hussein there. But, you know, what were you thinking? Uh, we, we learned from history about denazification. We, we spent decades after the war. People, t- you know, the World War II. World War II was only three and a half years from the American involvement standpoint. But we spent 10 years after that war denazifying Germany. And even then we still had some soldiers that remained there for decades later and still are there. Uh, but, but no, it's okay with this one. So, so he didn't learn that lesson. And now... He is doing the exact same thing with Afghanistan. He's saying that we will leave Afghanistan by the end of 2016. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if any day now there was an announcement. We're leaving the DMZ in in, uh, Koreas. Yeah, why not? Uh, We're just going to pull up the border. They'll work it out. Yeah. You know, uh, what next? Will will North Korea's armies just storm across the border and take over the south? I I mean... Without consequence? Yeah. You know? It's it's true fecklessness. Um, you know, in some ways, when we, we laugh at uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, the new uh, the North Korean young dictator, uh, he's cl- clearly crazy. And so I don't put Obama in the same category in that department. But he's he just like, you wonder, what's next with this guy? You know, he's the emperor who just, uh, just pl- appeals to his own sense of whim, has no delayed gratification. And uh, just, you know, you never know what's going to happen with this one. He's really bad. And to some extent, the only, he, he, Obama shares a characteristic with him, which is you don't know what he's going to do. You don't know what, what very illogical thing he's going to engage in, whether that's this recent prisoner swap, announcing that we're going to leave Afghanistan by the end of 2016, or concocting some crazy cover story for the Benghazi disaster or uh, assisting in the Fast and Furious program. It just You just don't know what's going to happen. So are you, as, as a listener, for, for a conservative listener, or maybe even a liberal listener, just wondering to yourself, what the frig is, is coming up in these next two and a half years? 
because there's there's going to be a lot of more stuff. This is not the end. The VA, uh, the the Guantanamo Bay situation, the, the the prisoner swap. This is not the end. This is coming weekly at this point. It's not even not even monthly. Weekly, there's something crazy going on, and and we haven't even gone back and, and discussed more thoroughly the Obamacare craziness. That that's yeah, just, the domestic policy craziness of all these. I, I, I mean, it just. It doesn't stop with this guy. I, I would even make the argument further in our timeline that it's not just the next two and a half years till the day a new president is is uh, inaugurated. If you look at the history, and you, know, you and I are we're smart guys, so we do this. Uh, I'm of the opinion that 9/11 was the Clinton legacy, and we don't need to get into the whole three-hour discussion on that. But it I, was. I know where you're going. With you it. know, with yeah. all the. The, the ignoring of uh, all the signs of terrorism that were happening, all the, the uh, emasculating of military and intelligence might, the refusal to take out bin Laden on those three or more occasions, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's, it's, it was but, an enabling but, culture. Right. But the point is, 9-11 happened eight months into the Bush administration, eight months after the Clinton uh, uh, administration was gone. So the question isn't three years. It's when will the cataclysmic event, the the whoa, the big uh-oh moment caused by the feckless and reckless American policy that occurs post-Obama because the terrorists are smart. They know with Obama they have a good thing going. Do they want to commit a, a 9-11 times 10 on his watch and bring into question any of these things? Of course not. Right, right. So that will be the real end point when you can say the chapter is, is closed, the legacy is set, now we can evaluate it. Yeah. And well, that's what's really disturbing. It will be a legacy that will continue to echo for a long time. And unfortunately, having been reelected, Obama continues to engage in what we've termed today fecklessness. And he truly is a man that doesn't care anymore. He doesn't even care about reelection because he, do, he can't be reelected. I don't even know if he cares about the Democratic Party anymore. And when maybe that'll be the change. Maybe our hope is in November of 2014, great things will happen in the Senate and the congressional elections, and uh, some of his own Democrat colleagues will start turning on him because they realize they can't survive with him and that he's just toxic. Maybe at that point, we'll start seeing how feckless Obama was and how the end is near. Folks, uh, we have a very different administration in this administration than we have had in all administrations in the past 50 years. And for all I know, uh, as I think about it, the past 100 years. Well, we, uh, we're going to call it a wrap-up, but think about this, folks. Think, think about what all these things, how they all add up. And wonder, is there a theme here? Is there some pattern that we're seeing? The pattern I see is fecklessness that rises to the level of recklessness. Almost to the point that you really wonder, what does Obama really think about this country? What does he really want from this country? I'm Barack Lurie. This has been the Lurie Law Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next Let's do it.